Today, we're diving deep into a topic that affects all of us, fishing. Not the kind where you spend hours and hours sitting by the side of a river hoping to catch something, but fishing, spelt with the PH. Don't panic because I'm going to help you learn how fishing preys on our human psychology and most importantly, how to stop it. So picture this, you're sitting at your desk, you're minding your own business and an email pops up and it's from your bank urging you to log in and update your account details immediately. What do you do? If you're like many people, you might feel a sense of urgency, a pang of fear that something's not quite right. And that is precisely what fishers bank on, our emotions. So what exactly is fishing? Well, in simple terms, it's a cybercrime technique where attackers use fraudulent emails, messages or websites to trick people into revealing sensitive information, such things like passwords, credit card numbers and other sensitive information. They cast their fishing line hoping someone takes the bait. Now I'm going to give you an example of the most common type of phishing scam, if you like, or attack that happens to businesses that I see and it's the most common one that I've seen with my own eyes. Effectively, once an attacker has access to something like a user's email or mailbox, if they've managed to obtain email credentials from somewhere, what they'll do is they'll gain access to your Microsoft 365 mailbox, not through your computer, but through the web access. Once they've got access, they will create a mail forwarding rule. So this is an automatic forwarding rule that will sit and monitor for keywords, things like invoice, bank transfer, credit card, payments, invoices, you name it, anything to do with money. And that forwarding rule will be set to forward emails to a Gmail account that the attackers have set up. Now, you or your user won't see this forwarding rule. You can't see it from your Outlook. You can't see it on your mobile phone. The only way you can see it is if you know what you're looking for and you look at it from the back end of your Office 365 environment. Typically, they're going to target anyone who works in finance in your business. So your financial director or anyone in your accounts team that will deal with invoices and has access to your company bank account. Now, this mail rule will sit there and it will just trigger these emails and it can sit there for weeks or months. And the attackers are looking for the big invoices, right? So they're not going to jump on anything that's a couple of hundred pounds. They're going to look for things in the thousands of pounds, if not tens of thousands of pounds. And then what they will do is they will reply back. So once you receive an invoice from a supplier, say you're due to pay a supplier 10,000 pounds, right? The attackers also received a copy of that invoice. And what they will do is within minutes or hours, they will reply back to your accounts person with a domain that they've registered that's very similar to the domain that sent the original email. They've seen who sent it, so they'll impersonate that user. They'll see the language and the tone that they use. If the emails come from someone called Robert and he signs his emails off as Bob, they'll do that too to make sure it doesn't trigger any red flags with your accounts person. And they'll usually say that we've just sent you this invoice, but we just realized that the payment details we've given you are incorrect. Here are the new payment details. Now, they might just put that in the email. They might modify the invoice and resend that because remember, they've received the invoice so they know exactly what the invoice looks like. 
and your unsuspecting accounts person goes, okay, fine, it seems legit, and pays the money out to the attackers. And you normally only find that out a few days later or weeks later once the invoice is overdue and your supplier hasn't received the payment and they give you a ring and say, what happened to that payment? Of course, we sent it, we've paid you already, what are you talking about? And that's when the whole thing unravels. So that's really the final goal of what attackers want. And this is why phishing is the root cause of over 90% of cyber attacks, right? It begins with phishing emails because they want to get access to users' mailbox so they can carry out this type of attack. Now let's talk about the human element in all of this. Fishers will exploit common psychological triggers to manipulate us. They're like a puppet master pulling the strings of our emotions. So what to talk about some of the tactics that they use. Now, one of the most prevalent techniques is urgency. When we receive a message warning of a time-sensitive matter or there's an impending problem, our instinct is to act quickly. Fishers exploit this urgency, pushing us to click that suspicious link without thinking about it twice. Another trick up their sleeve is impersonation. Fishers will often pretend to be someone that we trust, like a colleague, a friend, or even a reputable organisation. Quite often, it could be a supplier or a customer, just like in the example that I've given you. So by imitating familiar identities, that lowers our guard and increases the chance of us falling into their trap. You may be aware, if you've maybe got your ear to the ground in this kind of stuff, that there's been these kind of WhatsApp or SMS scams where a person has received a message saying that it's from their you know, their son or their daughter or their grandkids saying, hey, I've lost my phone. I'm using my friend's phone to message you. I'm stuck. I need £100 to get home or whatever. Can you transfer the money to my bank account? And of course, the person goes, well, if it's my son or daughter or a relative, of course, I'm going to help them out. I'm going to send them the money. Now, it's quite clever because they've said that they've lost their phone. So you can't phone them to check that it's real. You probably also don't remember their bank account details off the top of your head. So when they give you the new details to send the money to, you just pay it. So there's a sense of urgency. You've got a family member in help in need, needs some money. And of course, this is happening quite a lot, especially elderly people who are not aware of this kind of stuff are getting tricked into this kind of stuff from what I can see. So impersonating is a big trick that they'll use. But there's more. But first up, I just want to tell you a little bit about the IT services buyer's guide that we have. This is a free document on our website. You don't have to enter any information to get access to it. You just need to head over to www.m3networks.co.uk forward slash buyer's guide and you'll be able to click the link and get the download. And this is going to give you loads of information to help you understand the questions that you need to ask any potential IT partner in your business or indeed just go back and ask these questions to your existing IT company and then you can help find out whether you're being served correctly and whether there's any gaps in the IT support services that you are being offered. Now let's get back to the episode. So impersonating is a big trick that they'll use. But there's more. They'll also use things like greed. So have you ever had an email claiming that you've won a prize or you've won the lottery? Angling the prospect of a reward or wealth in front of us can make it hard for some people to resist. 
and of course they click on something, put their details in and before they know it, they've been fished and been scammed. So now you know some of the most common things in the fisher's playbook, how can we protect ourselves and our businesses from falling victim to these kind of scams? So let's discuss some of the practical measures you can take. First and foremost, education is key. So by raising awareness amongst your employees, your colleagues, family members about some of these tactics, you can begin to significantly reduce the risk. You want to teach them how to spot suspicious emails, identify phishing URLs and avoid clicking on any suspicious attachments. So you should always double check before you click. So taking that moment to pause and examine the email or the message, is the sender's address legit? Does the message contain spelling or grammar mistakes? These can be telltale signs of a phishing attempt. But I want you to be aware though that cyber criminals are turning to AI tools like ChatGPT to write phishing emails for them. So spelling and grammar mistakes are becoming less common. I read somewhere recently that AI-generated phishing emails were having more success than the ones written by humans. Because we've probably all had those Nigerian print emails promising you $10 million if you transfer them something or help them out or whatever it is that they're trying to scam you into doing, right? And some of these emails were, you could spot a mile away because they had so much bad English, bad grammar in them that it was a telltale sign, okay? But nowadays, if people who where English isn't their first language, if they're using AI tools, there's not going to be any spelling mistakes. The grammar's going to be good. So you have to get better at spotting these things in other ways. An example I gave you earlier, where an attacker would register a very similar URL to one of your suppliers, then that really comes down to paying attention. So if there's two I's or an extra S at the end of a domain name or something like that, you've got to pay attention to these things. It's probably safe to say that most people, when they receive an email, they see the sender's name. They don't see the actual email address or they don't pay attention to the actual email address, especially when we receive a lot of emails on mobile phones these days. You just see the sender name. Even if it does look legit, there could be a chance that the person's email system or the company's email system that you're receiving email from has been compromised and the email could legitimately be coming from their email system. So Lots of things to take into consideration here, but just double check everything. Just that extra moment to pause. Even though there's a big time push put on a lot of these emails with that urgency to get you to take action, there's nothing, especially in a business, there's nothing that you're going to receive that is that time critical that you can't afford to take two minutes just to double check that this is legit. Remember to never share any sensitive information through email or messaging systems like WhatsApp. Legit organizations are never going to ask you to share your password or any other personal details via an email. So if you're in doubt, it's always best to contact the organization directly and pick up the phone if it's someone that you know that's sending you the message and just double check. But what about the harder to spot phishing attacks? Because they're getting really good and attackers are always one step ahead, right? So this is where technology will come to the rescue. There's some powerful tools and strategies that you can employ to improve your defense against phishing attacks. So we're going to explore a few of them here. So first of all, we can try and prevent your users from even seeing a phishing email because if the user doesn't get it in the first place, then the user doesn't have to make any decision about whether this is genuine or not. 
So we can implement robust email filters and anti-spam solutions where we can help weed out a significant portion of phishing attempts before they even reach your inbox. So these tools will use advanced algorithms to analyze every incoming mail for suspicious patterns and content and sparing you from even having to make that decision. And another effective technique is multi-factor authentication or MFA, sometimes called 2FA, really all the same thing. By enabling this on your email accounts, you can add an extra layer of security. So even if an attacker manages to obtain your password, they won't be able to access your account without the secondary verification, such as a unique code sent to your mobile device or generated using an app. Now, I can't stress how critical it is to have MFA enabled for business email accounts at a bare minimum because your email account is what criminals want because it contains so much juicy information and they can use your email account to launch other attacks as well as reset passwords to your other online accounts. Just think about it. If you go to any other online service that you use and you click the forgot password button, what normally happens? It normally sends an email to your email address. So when an attacker's got access to your mailbox, they can start resetting passwords for other accounts and they can just guess because they know your email address already. They might be able to search your mailbox for eBay or Amazon or see any other services that you use. They can probably take a guess at some of them as well and just trigger a password reset, put your email address in and if they get password reset sent to the mailbox, then bingo, they've been able to lock out another account. So you could find yourself locked out of multiple accounts just because your email account got compromised. And finally on this point, if you have the option to use an SMS or text-based multi-factor authentication or an app-based option, always use the app such as Google Authenticator or Microsoft Authenticator. It's also critical that you keep your software and operating systems up to date. So those of you that have Cyber Essential certification will be aware of the requirement of this. But security patches and updates often contain fixes for vulnerabilities that fishers may exploit. So by staying current, you're closing potential entry points for attackers. Now, I guarantee you that there's at least one person in your business, it might even be you, that is sitting there right now with a pending update for Windows or Mac OS who just won't click the button to let the update run. Better still, ask your IT provider about patch management. For us here at M3 Networks, it's a standard part of our IT support service. It always has, but I see so many businesses that are still without a proper patch management system in place. And it's simply because their IT company doesn't offer this as part of their service stack. Now, let's talk about passwords. I feel like a broken record when it comes to passwords, to be honest, but we all know how challenging it can be to remember dozens of unique and complex passwords. Now, I'll be honest, I've not manually created a password for years. I couldn't remember the last time I had to come up with a password in my head because I use a password manager. And these tools securely store all of your passwords in an encrypted vault and allows you to generate strong, unique passwords for every single account that you use without the hassle of having to remember them all. But if you're going to use one in your business, you need to ensure that it is a password manager designed for business use. And what I mean by that is that the company has overall control and management of each of the users and all the passwords that they generate and store within the system. So each employee has access to their own passwords. But like I said, as a company, you have overall control and management of this. 
This kind of solution also makes it easy to have shared passwords within your business and ensure that that's done safely and securely. Now, lastly, conduct regular efficient awareness and simulation exercises. Now, basically, this is where you send a simulated phishing attack to all of your users, typically on a monthly basis, which can help assess the effectiveness of any training efforts and identify areas that need improvement. This provides a safe environment for employees to learn and reinforce good practice because nothing more bad will happen if they click any of the links in this, but it will help you to highlight the users that are slightly riskier than others, shall we say. And a business that isn't doing any of this will typically see a 30% or a 3 in 10 of the users will fall for a basic efficient email. So an untrained workforce will see a 30% victim rate, if we like. And by regularly fishing and training your users over time, you'll see that 30% drop. One of the things that we offer when we're speaking to a potential new customer is a baseline fishing test. So let's run a free test for you and let's see who gets caught. Let's see how many of your users get caught out. Be surprised how many senior people in businesses get caught compared to just the normal shop floor staff, shall we say. Because I think people think that if they're a director or owner of the business that, you know, I think they're more likely to take risks with this stuff because, of course, if it's your business and you click on a link, something bad happens, you're not going to get fired, right? But if you're someone working in the finance team and, you know, you lose £20,000 because you clicked on a link, you're probably more likely to be more suspicious of things, if that makes sense. So, covered quite a few things. We've explored kind of fishing and how it preys on human psychology. And most importantly, a few tips on how to defend against this. But remember that the human element is a great vulnerability, but also a great strength. But the line that I always emphasize to people is that social engineering beats all technology. It doesn't matter how much you're spending with your current IT provider. It doesn't matter what technology solutions you have in place. If you're going to hire a new member of staff next week and they're untrained and they don't know how to spot these things and they click on a link, that can undo everything else that you've been doing in your business to try and reduce this risk. But by starting to understand the tactics that the fishers use and a bit of knowledge and some technology, we can all get better at outsmarting these people and keeping our businesses secure. If you'd like a quick chat with me about anything I've discussed in this episode, or you have a specific question about any aspect of your IT or cybersecurity, you can book a call in my diary. Just head over to www.m3networks.co.uk forward slash meetmark. And finally, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app for future episodes where I'll dive deeper into other IT and cyber related topics. Texas is an M3 Networks podcast. Find out more at m3networks.co.uk. Okay. Okay.